The following discussion is not necessarily the views of all involved. The goal is to start open and honest discussion in the Christian worldview. Like all things, weigh what you hear with what you know and join us in our pursuit for the truth. Enjoy the podcast. Are you threatening them? I'm not threatening them. <laughs> I'm not threatening them. You don't know about the holy water that you can buy from Peter Popoff? You can buy holy water? What am I doing here? This this, this is why God doesn't like the IRS. Here are your kids. <laughs> don't pay your taxes. <laughs> Tax fraud. <laughs> the official position of second-rate saints. All right, I'd like to welcome everyone to the Second Rate Saints podcast. I'm one of your hosts here, Caleb. To my left is... Uh, I'm Joshua, and to my left is my friend... I'm Joel. And to my left... It's me. Back to Caleb. We're missing Colton and Stuart, as per the norm. Um, it's a very sad, very sad day for... We're missing both of them. Very sad. It's Yeah, it is. Jo- Joel. Joel. Jeepers. You're both of them, apparently. <laughs> Josh, Joel, Jeepers. What's up? <laughs> Joel, what do we do on the internet? I uh, just just messing around on a website, dude. I love that intro. <laughs> it's the same. <laughs> it's the same every time. I ask him that, and then he goes oh, nothing, and then the awkward silence just hits. I there. love the awkward silence. I, <laughs> I feel like that's where we're, we catch people. You know, is right in that little bit. Um, so we've got secondratesaints.com where you can find uh, everything we're doing online, our YouTube channel, our Spotify, our blog posts, our book reviews. Um, if any of that sounds interesting to you, please check us out. Um, there's a chat feature on the website, or you can email us at secondratesaints.com. Nope, at secondratesaints at gmail.com. Um, yeah, and that's probably the best way to get in touch with us. Um, loved your comments so far. Um, there's been a lot of really good feedback and we're building up to another one of our thoughts in real time episodes. So look out for that in the coming weeks. Do we also want to mention that we've reached a milestone? The big one zero zero, which we missed. It's actually one Oh one now. Woo! <laughs> we were paying attention and the two people subscribed huge day for us in the, in the group <laughs> chat. Guys, um, it's, it's up from here. You know what? We can only go up or we could go down like we did last time. <laughs> Watch two people unsubscribe. (laughs) If you heard this and unsubscribed, you know what? The Lord will deal with you. Um, (laughs) Are you threatening? I'm not threatening them. (laughs) I'm not threatening them. (laughs) First Samuel 4 to 6 might, but... Yeah, we are going to talk about the judgment of God today, later on in the episode. (laughs) Um, Unrelated to our subscriber count. But thanks again for making that happen. Um, We've been at it for about a year now, so it's it's really nice to to see some... um, real interaction online. Yeah. Um, for our, what have you read? We're covering a book we've actually all read. Mm-hmm. So I can't ask anyone in spe- like specifically. Um, mm-hmm. I am currently holding the copy. That's at yeah, so you get to speak. Here, so I, 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 I got the, the book. It's my turn. <laughs> It'll make more sense when but we have cameras, but yes, my book. It's also your book. Um, it's actually a systematic systematic theology. Um, which we've talked a little bit about biblical theology and how that's different than systematics, not to get all into that, but, um, yeah, it's a small one volume systematic, extremely approachable. Um, it was one of the textbooks for our systematic class when we were going through Bible school, Bible school. Um, yeah, it goes through the main, like big 10 classical systematic doctrines, although it divvies them up into 18 chapters. 
because it wants to like go into one specific mm. thing here and there and here and there. It is worth saying that this is a unapologetic evangelical Pentecostal systematic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, which means, hey, Joel, did you agree with everything that was said in here? Absolutely, 100%. Awesome. Josh, did you agree? <laughs> There's with- one point specifically, but I don't need to bring it up. Um, <laughs> no, but I don't know that I would agree with 100% every systematic theology that I've ever read. That's a good, that's a good comment. So, comment. Yeah. Um, yeah. And myself also having grown up in Pentecostal church, I, I, there's stuff in here where I was just like, I don't know if that's indicative of all Pentecostals. Um, but that being said, some Pentecostal works are not all that great. This one actually isn't that bad. So Horton, you, you never mentioned the author, but his name is Stanley Horton. It's the editor. So it's actually, the editor yeah, what it's, I was it's say, actually, yeah. it's actually a bunch of, bunch of different authors authors um and i think that that's one of the one of the weaknesses of this of this book is any systematic that's presented it's with multiple authors each individual like doctrine or even chapter becomes as though they have to reprove something Mm -hmm. Um, and so there's a little bit of repetition but there's also like not like cohesion a little bit between them it's kind of becomes oh these are just separate essays on different systematic doctrines Mm -hmm. Which is fine, um, but in comparison to like, um, what is it, uh, Wayne Gurnham's systematic, where he builds very systematically, mm-hmm. obviously, um, or even Erickson, what little bit of Erickson's systematic I've read, it's because it's, mm-hmm. it's one author, there's one thing, he knows what he's proven before, and he can kind of build on the previous things that he's written and yeah. kind of create a cohesive package. When it's one author, you're more likely to get some logical cohesion between different ideas, mm-hmm. right? It's yeah. like, the, oh, it seems like the same guy would believe this and this, mm-hmm. whereas in that one, you do get some breaks in theme where they might believe the same thing, but they prove it differently. And like you said, they reprove it. So it's like, yeah, yeah, yep. huh. awkward to read. But what you mentioned before is like, it's the best of the Pentecostal evangelical systematics that I've come across that we've come across. Um, and that's kind of because as we've discussed, and if anybody familiar with church history, the, the Pentecostal church has had a history of anti-intellectualism yep. in or just anti-academia, not the whole denomination, but like aspects of it, people groups within it. Mm-hmm. And so you're not gonna, you're gonna find something as robust as you would in like, no, for the longest time, another uh, denomination for the longest time, Pentecostals would just use generic evangelical system systematics mm-hmm. because yep. they didn't have their own. Um, there's two um, that I've read parts of one I've read, almost like three quarters of, and the other I've only read like a quarter. Um, one's, the one of them, which I've read most of it, is by uh, Routledge, Routledge uh, mm-hmm. Handbook to Pentecostal Theology. Mm-hmm. It's not bad, but yeah. it does kind of take this global perspective, which is fine, other than the fact that there's a little bit of discontinuity in the global perspective of any denomination when you do that. Mm-hmm. And so it's 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 interesting. It's also like a snapshot of where Pentecostalism is in its like 21st century context. This book, Systematic Theology by Horton, is more, I would say it's reflective of if you had to, if you had to define what do Pentecostals believe in generally, in general, this is, this is a good taste of it. And it's only how many pages? 600 pages, which for a systematic, not bad, very approachable for a systematic. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, I, I believe the course we read it for was a second or third year course. Like it wasn't even that far along. Um, yeah. And it was two, right? It's a, it's actually a yeah, split between two courses. Yeah. Um, Which a 300 page textbook in a second 200, 300 level course. Yeah. is not. Not it's pretty issue. reasonable. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not like a crazy amount of information. Um, I don't know if any layman could pick it up and read it super okay. well. Um, but if you're a layman that's read systematic stuff, like you've mm-hmm. read like, you know, uh, short studies and systematics, right. Mm-hmm. Or whatever mm-hmm. you could, you could easily read this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Joel, not Joel, Josh, I, I ask you this every time. Cause yeah. but this is your book cover one out of five. Ooh. Not quality of the book because the quality of the book mm. is a, a, a business. We talk about yeah. that. Yeah. Okay. Cover. Cover. Okay. You're going to, you might, this might be one of those moments where you're like, Josh, I don't understand your, I'm going to give it a three. The reason why is because titles, easy, systematic, editor, blah, 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 whatever. But the picture of a pillar as the is because like the whole idea of like the doctrines being the pillar of your faith, mm-hmm. like the things that you stand that, that hold you up um, as you, a Christian is a good image to present, but the color sucks. And it's just like, it's just, they just threw a pillar on there. So like it's nowhere near great, but so like a three it's middle, okay. but it has book- a good point. It's just, you know, could yeah. be nicer. The book binding is abysmal. I'd oh, rather yeah, they yeah. just give it to me in a shopping bag. Like just it's, it's loose, horrible. Just loose paper. It's horrible. It it's, is bad. It's worth saying. Um, I've seen the new editions of this. Mm-hmm. It's a significantly better printing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you does can, it still have a pillar? It still has a pillar. It's the exact same book, actually. It's just okay. way better material. Mm-hmm. Like way, okay. way better. Yeah. Um, so yeah, if you buy this book, it's a good kind of. It's it's a reasonable. Um, academic assessment of Pentecostal systematics. Um, yeah. And if you buy it, just make sure you get a new printing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't, you're going to have pages fall out of it. It's just terrible. <laughs> <laughs> but the cover though. <laughs> I know I didn't have a ton to say about the content, but man, it was hard holding that book for so many hours. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cool. But we're going to continue on with our Samuel mm-hmm. series. Yep. So, Josh, take it away. Okay. Introduce us. What's what's happening? What's happening? So, so far, a little introduction to the Samuel series for those who are jumping in at this point into the, like, series, yeah. but also, like, kind of an overview to get people up to date for this episode, because it's probably been time if you listen to them when they come out. Um, first Samuel chapter one to three covers uh, Hannah and Elkanah who have a son named Samuel, who is the prophet that the book is named after. He gets raised by uh, Eli, the high priest of Israel, and the two sons there, uh, Phineas and Hopney. Right? Phineas and Ferb? Nope. (laughs) Close. Um, And there's a contrast between the families of Elkanah and Eli as being righteous and unrighteous like obedient and unobedient. And then you have a comparison of their sons in with Samuel and uh, Phineas and Hopney. And they're shown to be Samuel shown to be righteous and Phineas and Hopney are shown to be not righteous. Um, And then you get to what we're covering today, 
which is chapter four to chapter seven, verse two. And we're talking about the fall of Eli and his two sons. Mm -hmm. And then chapter seven to eight, which is next episode we do is the rise of Samuel as the new priest Mm. and prophet and judge the last judge of Israel. Um, so the last judge, yes, sorry. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. My brain was thinking prophet. And I'm like, <laughs> hold on. No, 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 no. God's just getting started with prophets. Yes. Yes. Um, so that's kind of the, the idea of we've seen the comparisons in the last three chapters and now we're seeing the outcomes of the comparisons, right? Contrasted in the two episodes. Um, so Samuel four opens up with Israel is at war with the Philistines. Nothing new, (laughs) you know? So like if this is at the end of the judges period, Mm -hmm. right. Um, there's kind of like a, this is they're in the next stage of being invaded by their enemies and they're losing because they're not obeying God. Um, and like the whole judges period takes place over 400 years. And so like they, they've had a long relationship with the Philistines. Samson didn't happen that long ago. Mm-hmm. It was related to the Philistines. Um, and so like they're, they're coming out of conflict with, they have a relationship with the Philistines as the Philistines are the people of the coast yep. of Israel. They have like five cities in where is, where are the five cities, Gath, Gaza. Oh, it's the Gaza strip. Yep. Um, which Israel also has a unfortunate relationship with mm-hmm. right now in history. So the, <laughs> yeah. Um, so they're, they're not doing well. They're in this war and eventually they lose a conflict. Mm-hmm. They lose about, what is it? 4,000 men killed. Yes. The first battle, the first mm-hmm. battle. Yeah. 4,000 men. Mm-hmm. And the, if you can correct me there, because you've got it in front of you, um, the the Israelites are like, how did the Lord let us lose? Yeah. Why did the Lord bring defeat on us today? <laughs> yeah. Just like, oh, but why? Why would he do this to us? It, when I read that, it kind of reminded me of like us Christians today would be like, like kind of like a prosperity gospel. Yeah. People yeah. are just like, what? Why is this bad thing? Happening? Why is God letting my car break down? Yeah. <laughs> Why is God letting the church why? not get enough money in the offering? What's going on? Why, why don't I have $10,000 in my bank account right now after I bought yeah. the the water from Peter Popoff off the uh, telemarketer? Wow. Well, you use your deep cut. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what that is. You don't know about the, the, the holy water that you can buy from Peter Popoff? The, you can buy holy water? No, no, no. But it's different. What am I it's doing here? It's not Catholic holy water that like fights off vampires. Oh. Um, Which is sanctioned by the Pope. Therefore, it's real. Yes. Um, and blessed <laughs> like by, vampires. you know, bishops and stuff like that. This yeah. is just, if you buy the water yeah. for an exorbitant price, $24,000 will just appear in your bank account. Wow. That, and only $1,000 will disappear. <laughs> That's wow. Do, do I also get the water? Yes. Oh, good. Yeah. There was actually some. This is like freelance holy water. So this uh, isn't official. Students at our school that we went to bought some for the uh, business teacher. Mm. <laughs> as a joke like because he's all about like christian marketing and stuff like that and so is it terrible <laughs> yeah I, yeah whatever let's, let's move on uh, we should start a, a water bottle brand it's just called holy water second rate water second rate water just well, that doesn't tap. sound good <laughs> unapologetically <laughs> out of the tap we're gonna start off with this is not good <laughs> buy it 
Um, yeah. Can we get- oh, man, I had something I was actually going to say, and then we started talking about holy water. Mm. Oh, well. Um, so they're losing, and they're wondering why. Why is God letting us die? And specifically, the they 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 fall into a trap. Mm-hmm. They say, "Let's go get the ark." And it's specifically Phineas and Hopney that not them that carry it, but them that have the idea. Yeah. Uh, Sorry, the they're the ones who go with the ark. Yes. Yeah, they're the ones who let's say answer the call that go with the ark. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. So, um. Victor P. Hamilton in his handbook on the historical books, he gives hypothetically three reasons why they would actually go get the Ark. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, th- there are at least three possibilities why the Ark was fetched. One, the Israelites were defeated because of an oversight. Somebody forgot to send the, lar- the Ark along. That oversight is now corrected. That seems a little unlikely as it's not a presented as a president beforehand. No. Um, Two, by bringing the ark into battle, the Israelites are admonishing Yahweh and reminding him of his covenantal obligations. That doesn't appear to be what's reflected in the text. Mm -hmm. No. And three, the Israelites believed that the mere presence of the ark would guarantee their survival and victory. If their thinking includes the third point, then the Israelites are guilty of turning what God intended to be a symbol into an idol. Yeah. It's the third one, though, right? Yes. Yeah, Yeah, he goes on to to then go like, Mm -hmm. yeah, there's, Mm -hmm. there's... any reason to yeah. think the others are is 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 dwarfed by the, yeah. the textual evidence of the third. Yeah. And like the two reasons I go for that being the third, like the right one, is they're just in a battle. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't present the story of them like they didn't ask God if they should go to war, which is one of the things they're supposed to do. They're so like it doesn't say they didn't do that. They're just at war. So it could be defensive, it whatever. Um and then, and it seems to be defensive because they're on their side of the body of water that's yep. being attacked. So, um, and the Philistines are coming across, so they're probably defensive. But they're the you're supposed to bring the ark out when, like, God sanctions the battle. Yeah. Um, when when yeah. God is the one leading them. So, like, it because it doesn't give us any of that info, we can't really go off. Like, it's not about what they didn't do. Yeah. Because that's not what's presented. What's presented is that they say it will save us. Yeah. Not he will save us. Yeah. Well, it it shows kind of the transition at the beginning of Samuel that takes God out of the place of kingship and into like the secret weapon kind of a thing. There's Mm -hmm. enough, enough time has passed that the ark has now got some mystery to it. Yeah. Um, 400 years between Moses and Samuel. Mm -hmm. And they're, they're, they're a fractured nation in separate tribes. Mm -hmm. And so like the, what, and they didn't actually get rid of the Canaanites. So there's intermarriage and there's, there's Canaanite religion popping up. So no doubt that there's the, the, the religious mindset of Israel at that time would be very, fractured and not as unified and mm-hmm. perhaps even if you can use the word religiously polluted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And one of the cases for that would be if they're bringing what they supposed to be a physical representation of their God into battle, the that's, that's, that's not subtly henoistic, henotheistic. That is, that is overtly henotheistic. Yeah. Can we just define henotheism? Yeah, absolutely. So um, every people are probably, aware of monotheism versus polytheism 
monotheism is that there's only one God that exists and you either worship him or you don't. Mm -hmm. Uh, Polytheism is there are many gods and you can worship whatever of them. However many there are. Think of like uh, the, the Greek pantheon, Mm -hmm. Zeus, Hades, Mm -hmm. blah, there's a whole pantheon of gods. There's Mm -hmm. many of them. Um, Henotheism is a, is very similar to polytheism probably a subset of it Mm -hmm. where there are many gods, but each nation has a God that is associated with them or each city state Mm -hmm. um, has a God that's associated with them. So like the idea um, and when those cities or countries go to war, Mm -hmm. their gods fight on their behalf. And when one nation loses, it's because that God lost. Well, and you even see elements of where polytheism blurs into henotheism. When you see the fractured, like very young, early Greece, the fractured cities, Mm -hmm. they Mm -hmm. would fight each other. And so you'd have like Athens, obviously had a close affinity to Athena. And when she goes, when Athens, the city goes to war against others, it would be articulated in some um, like participating in some divine war mm-hmm. that's also going across yep. there. So you see and, elements of that even in Greece, but mm-hmm. henotheism is is far more explicitly articulated by the people where it's like, yeah. we serve this God. And yeah. when we go to war, mm-hmm. our God fights on our side, their God fights on their side. And gen- sometimes it's even articulated as landlocked, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and so yeah. when they go and take over something, their god has taken over the land of the other gods. Yeah, yeah. and the uh, specifically why Babylon is so important in the the ancient Near East in in culture and stories, whatever, is because the city of Babel, sorry Babylon, was the was the chief city of the major god Marduk, and so if you he was considered the most powerful of the gods. Mm-hmm by all of the religions in that area. So if you had that city, it meant Marduk was on your side Mm -hmm. and you wanted to make sure Marduk was on your side. And so that's why so many historical conflicts surround Babylon as a nation Mm -hmm. is because it's specifically tied to that idea of henotheism being yeah. yeah, City locked gods. Um, And so Israel, their God is the God of Jerusalem. God says, I will dwell in Jerusalem. This mm-hmm. is my city. This is my people, mm-hmm. right? And I've cordoned off this land. This would be before they have they have Jerusalem, wouldn't it? Yes. Yeah. However, because, it is the God of the Israelites. Yeah. Well, Jerusalem was taken from the Kenites by Saul, isn't it? Isn't it or David, by Solomon, David. sorry. David, yeah. David takes him. David, yeah, yeah, he climbs up, oh, a, yeah. He climbs up a, a well. Yeah. And it makes a rule oh, that, uh, right. that yeah. handicapped people can't go in the city. It's a weird little tet. Yeah, it is. um yes no that's a good good correction there um but it's like god dwells within the camp in the wilderness and so he he goes with his people where they go and he's leading them to this promised land and he gives it to them right and then eventually when they build the temple and blah blah blah, he this is my city yeah this is where i place my name um but god breaks that pattern and the Israelites here are falling into that idea. Mm-hmm. God is locked inside this object that represents him as an idol. And if we bring him out, he will win for us. Yeah. And like, for those of you in a more, maybe a more Protestant, less kind of traditional, uh, maybe this has nothing to do mm-hmm. with denominations, but um, think of like, well, why do they think that about just a box? Yeah. Okay. It took 
God, six days to create the earth, and he spent 40 days creating the ark. So it's like, <laughs> it's pretty important, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. it's exactly how he told Moses to build it. Um, <laughs> like, there's I'm, there's some very I'm, I'm significant stuff. I'm dying at the analogy, but fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> right? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it's very important. Well, to well it's also yeah. like, um, it's that's where God, that's where the sacrifice of atonement is placed. Yeah. Like the blood is sprinkled. The upon. blood is sprinkled upon. That's where God focuses the 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 pillar of fire in the mm-hmm. temple. It's pillar the, of cloud. It's articulated as the link between heaven mm-hmm. and earth. As actually mm-hmm. Joel mentioned mm-hmm. earlier, it's the footstool of His throne. It's mm-hmm. the connection point. It's also the the housing of the ten ten commandments and the the covenant. Yeah. Um, it's the the kind of the the, the most sacred thing that they have. Yeah. yeah. It's the only object, and in it. Like on it, what I think is cool is anti-henotheistic and anti-like idol is there's a space in it where two angels are bowing, but there's nothing there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the point is, is that you can't represent God in with a with a object. And yeah. so even in the box, even as an object itself, it's saying, mm-hmm. don't try to don't try to make something that. Yeah. That defines me. And the imagery that God uses in instructing this is so deep. Like, oh. there's so many layers to it. Mm-hmm. Um, even, to, like you said, to being a footstool, that just replicates the way they would make treaties with Canaanite kings. Except mm-hmm. the difference was this is a treaty with God. It had never yeah. been seen before that you could make, because what would happen is you would have law code that you lay at the feet of your ruler, and then that ties him into your law that you're presenting to him, essentially, mm-hmm. like like a, like a pact. Um, and the idea that you could make a law with God is unheard of um, mm-hmm. for the people of that time. So it's, it's yeah. just cool. Yeah, so they um, bring that I'm going to get too deep into the Ark, but that's just because no, I no, like, no, no. We could like do a whole it. episode on the Ark. That'd we be should. awesome. Yeah, I, I don't think you could talk about this story without getting into why is the Ark important, because God yeah. really makes it important. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think even the average, even the average Christian is aware, like, oh, the Ark is important, but I don't think, like, even after Bible school, mm-hmm. I read about it and it's just, oh, oh, there's so much stuff that <laughs> I don't fair, know. Yeah. This is the last time we ever see it. <laughs> we see it. Um, it's brought into the temple. It's brought into the temple. David, is it David that has David? Who, who gets shot when holding onto the horns? That's no. It's Solomon that tells. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, is he holding onto the horns of the altar though? Actually, it might. It says he threw himself before the mercy seat. I think is what. It then is. it would be the ark. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I feel dumb now. But uh, but <laughs> David goes into. Sorry, so David ha- brings it into the city, and he's mm-hmm. there's the whole dancing thing there. Yeah. Um, it's when he's at the party, when he, after this event, mm-hmm. the Ark sits at a guy's house for a while. I think the last it's ever talked about is, Hez- is Hezekiah, I believe? Yes. Okay. Um, and it's missing from the list of things taken to Babylon during mm-hmm. the exile. Yeah. So somewhere in that time, it disappeared or was something yeah. happened. The, 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 the general consensus that I've heard, not consensus, because there's not much of consensus on this. The general theory is that the... Israelites would have hidden it mm-hmm. when the city was being besieged. It, it, yeah. it, there's a bunch of fun theories about the Ark of the Covenant. Unless it was but. destroyed 
by them as uh, by the uh, Babylonians in such a way that it would be like, this is your gods destroyed because, mm-hmm. you know, we took your nation because Hanotheism. Anyway. Yeah. But I still don't think, well, obviously it didn't defeat their god, but like, I don't even think that symbolically would have defeated. It also know, might have just been a sure. trend, like a, if that is the case, then it's a transition point in Israel's like theology. Mm-hmm. And relationship with God, yeah. because like I mean, and then even in um, Christianity, we have articulations of like if the Ark of the Covenant is the place where God rests, right, and is where the sacrifice of atonement is placed, mm-hmm. right. There's a relationship between the Ark of the Covenant and Jesus, being that's the mercy seat stuff where yeah. sin is placed, and God looks down on it, and mm-hmm. Israel's mm-hmm. considered atoned also if it's the thing that houses god in that sense Mm -hmm. then there's also the relationship between the christian being the temple the place that yeah it's the dwelling place theology Mm -hmm. stuff yeah yeah and so like you've got the now that's transferred to every human rather than a box um where do you think the ark is like uh, does your conspiracy side kind of like ethiopia the fun one is Ethiopia. Okay, so that one, <laughs> that one became popular recently, and now the people who were like working at that temple are confused. <laughs> like, there's yeah. actually been problems with tourism in, in Ethiopia. I, I just find it because funny. enough conspiracy oh, it's a fun theory. One. It's, it's a fun one. Yeah. Well, I recently watched Indiana Jones, not the first one, but I did watch the third one, and yeah. uh, it's held in a warehouse in Nevada. Area fifty one. Yeah. yeah, and it's magnetic, I think. Um, but back to the Bible. Um, so, <laughs> no, I was thinking of the crystal skull. Sorry, true. Um, I'm sorry for this episode, guys. <laughs> no, this is having fun. tons of fun. Yeah, <laughs> so this is fun. So the Philistines defeat Israel. They kill thirty thousand. Apparently, <laughs> um, what's your? Why do you say that sarcastically, Caleb? Uh, because in any ancient document, anytime, even in the Bible. Mm-hmm they play stuff up and they round it up to say, Hey, so many people died. Yeah. Yeah. Um, kind of like how even in revelation, they'll be like, there will be blood up to the, you know, whatever. Yeah. And <laughs> lots of it. Yeah. Um, or it'll be like some astronomical number. And the reason why 30,000 is crazy is because like 57,000 British guys died in the battle of the Somme. Mm-hmm. And that's with population more than quadrupled of what they had then. Mm-hmm. You yeah. see people, countries in the medieval age that lose that many men, they cease to exist. Yeah. And so, I, I don't know. It's it's a, it's communicating the point, crazy amounts of them died. Mm-hmm. Enough so that it would make, that it would have made like a, an impact in their like economic and like, they wouldn't recover from that much loss of life in generations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like crazy, crazy amount of death. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the Israelite priests, and sadly what happens is when they bring it out, they lose, which in their mind is not supposed to happen. Why They've already asked, why would God let us die? And now why would he let his most precious artifact be taken? Yeah. Ar- right? Arguably, perhaps some of them would consider it he is taken. Yeah. He's been defeated. Mm-hmm. The God that took us out of Egypt has been defeated. Um and the priests die. Yeah. So sons of Eli, the sons of Eli die. And the news gets a man running with sackcloth and ash on his head runs to Eli. Yeah. Um, and tells him that the ark has been taken and his sons are dead. 
Well, doesn't he tell? Yeah, but he he tells him that his sons are dead, and that doesn't that doesn't cause him to fall over. It's the fact that the ark was taken, and it, the mm-hmm. text specifically says that he was worried that Eli was worried about the ark. Yeah, he's told that his sons die, and he's like, okay. But then he's told the ark has been captured. That's when he falls over because he's, the text says he's fat and blind and old. He's old and heavy. And then he breaks his neck. Yeah. And that is the end of Eli, the fulfillment of the prophecy that uh, was given to Samuel. And the mystery man of God. Yes. Yeah. The the dual prophecy. Yeah. um, That his family would die at their their good age at the prime of their life. Mm-hmm. And the point that points out that they're at the prime of their life is one of his son's wives is pregnant mm-hmm. and has a kid as he dies. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's within that young, he's at the, he's at the prime of his life. Yeah. Early, tw- early twenties to early thirties. Mm-hmm. And the uh, child's name ideally. is what the glory of God has left us is how it translated, yeah. which Shows. Joel, take us on the No, the we, we did this last episode. There's a whole <laughs> pun involved in it. It's whatever. You can watch our last episode. I'll well, explain well, it. Again. No, bring it up because the, oh. it's actually important to the end of the- Ichabod. Into the end of the story. Is his name Ichabod? Is that what it is? Yeah. yeah. The glory of God has left us. Um, I think that there's something to be said about his only remaining offspring. He His line continues with his failure kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. There's There's something there. Yeah. Um, but uh, a big deal there is uh, glory and honor and, and heavy are all, all the same word or can be the same word. Um, kabod. Kabod or kabod or however you want to say. Yeah. Or kevit. That's what it is. Yeah. Depending um, if you have a uh, American Hebrew prof or British Hebrew prof or maybe a Canadian Hebrew prof. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. all over the place. But either way, it's um, to honor, to uh, yeah. to glorify um, all these different things or like, or heavy, yeah. like the, there's a weight to it. Right. Um, so when it says the glory of God has left us, it says also the heavy has left us. Um, and well, I think that's funny cause his father, grandfather was, was old and fat and yeah. broke his neck. And it, um, it, it ties into, we'll get to it, but the, mm-hmm. the, 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 the setup is that it's in the previous episode, the, uh, the two sons, the, the rebellious priests, they were taking God's glory. Right. And that's, that's the mm-hmm. thing. That's the charge that's brought against them. Yeah. And his whole family. Yeah. His whole family was, ta- was and, taking mm-hmm. and getting fat af- yeah. off yeah. of, which is like the, taking the, the connection point between heavy and glory mm-hmm. yeah. is they were taking God's glory and getting fat. Mm-hmm. They, it, it's a weird image. There's it's a, just, we, there's a weird whole play on like mm-hmm. words that, yeah, there's some weird play on words in the old Testament. That's, it's kind of yeah. fun. Yeah. But, um, and so they, they've been taking God's glory. So God's glory just leaves now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And because his glory leaves, the glory in uh, Eli's family also leaves mm-hmm. the earth. Yeah. Meaning they die. <laughs> Meaning they die. Yeah. That's a dead stop for Eli's family. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's that's super interesting. But what happens is... The Philistines make this interesting remark, and this is a, an interesting note to keep over the next three chapters, is the, the people, the army of the Philistines say, uh, Israel has brought out their gods. Yeah. They, and they, they really worry about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, I, is, it, is it all in one thing? Yeah. I think it's all in one thing. And then there's just like, ah, don't be afraid. We'll be okay. Fight like men. <laughs> yeah. 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 It, 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 
it's funny, but it's like, it's the, it's also what that is, is in the Deuteronomy, in the code with that covenant with God, which is, uh, the Ark is highly related to the Ark of the Covenant, right? If you, if Israel failed the covenant, the armies would overtake them and they would scatter away. But if the Israel was obedient, the enemies would run away in terror. Mm-hmm. And so it shows that they're, they the, almost do. They, they almost, almost run do. away in terror. Like they do mention the yeah. the. Uh, I hate this. I have a I have a reader's bible in front of me, which means I have I have chapter numbers, but not verse numbers. <laughs> <laughs> so forgive me for not giving verse numbers. But there's the uh, there's the like we're doomed. Uh, who will deliver us from the hand of these of these mighty gods? Speaking of the ark, because yeah. they don't they don't know. Um, there are uh, they are the gods who struck the Egyptians with all kinds of plagues in the wilderness, and it's it's their you see in Exodus, there's this idea of kind of God being th- like stepping onto the world stage in a very public manner with the, yeah. you know, um, making his name great by lifting up mm-hmm. um, Pharaoh for this purpose, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and this is, as Josh mentioned, this is 400 years later. They yeah. they know this stuff and they're like, they holy moly. Yeah. Yeah. And so what Josh was getting at there with the whole, with the code, you see if they, the if they were acting rightly, the natural extent to that would be, oh, these are the these are <laughs> the this is the god that took them out of Egypt, run away. Yeah. But then the immediate line is no, fight like men. Yeah. <laughs> we're fine, and so it yeah. almost still works. But it's, it, it's yeah. I think that's there to reveal that it's mm-hmm. yeah. There's the covenant that's supposed to function in that way, but if you're not faithful, God's not going to make it happen. Yeah, yeah. and the. Well, what's interesting is he still does. Yes, in a very different way. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah. he still makes sure it gets done. You don't. And so, Mm -hmm. yeah, but what's interesting is also in the other stories, when Israel leaves Egypt, they know him as the Lord. Jericho, you know, they've heard of the Lord doing these things to Egypt. Mm -hmm. They heard the Moabites heard of the Lord doing these things to Egypt, like all these guys. But the, because Israel hasn't been obedient, the people don't know that the, the enemies now just refer to him as many gods. Right. They, they don't, they don't understand who the Lord is as he should have been known to the world. Right. And they're not, they're not being the kingdom of priests that they were called into the, into that covenantal relationship. Yeah. Instead, they're praising themselves mm-hmm. and honoring themselves. Becoming like the nations around them. Yeah. Then that leads us into the next section, chapter five. The, the- the arc side quest. <laughs> I, I love this. I love that there's like nobody that sees this happen and they're like, oh, and then the box went on a journey. <laughs> it's so cool. Yeah. yeah. So it's like it got a dash cam on it or something. Uh, do you want to read like the first few verses of chapter five? Yes. After the Philistines had captured the Ark of God, they took it from Ebenezer to Ashdod. Then they had carried the Ark into Do- Dagon. Sorry. Yeah. Dagon's <laughs> temple, and there was Dagon. I'm sorry, I skipped a thing. And set it beside Dagon. When the people of Ashdod rose early the next day, there was Dagon fallen on his face, fallen on his face on the ground before the ark of the Lord. They took Dagon and put him up in his place. But the following morning, when they rose, there was Dagon fallen on his face on the ground before the ark of the Lord. His head and his hands had broken off, and they were lying upon the threshold. Only his body remained. Mm-hmm. And it yeah. makes a note how like, hey, that's why people don't stand on the threshold in in, uh, in Ashdod anymore. Yeah. But there's some 
significant cultural stuff going on here beyond just, hey, your idol just falls over in front of the ark. What's also interesting is this is one of the only moments in the Bible where you have a God v. God showdown. No comment. I just because I think there's there the only like there's I don't mean that there's an actual like Dagon fighting, but I mean like Mm -hmm. it's only the Lord's Ark and Dagon's statue. Sure, it's it's not the the people of God fighting against this this evil nation. Yeah, it is just two physical representations of what people understand Mm -hmm. as either the mercy seat of God, the 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 place where the footstool of his throne versus an actual idol. Yeah. Before we get into like the actual stuff, it, what's interesting is this is a, because of the text, like the Israelites don't know this is happening until later through story or whatever, but this is an actual, like in a weird way, a carry out of that henotheistic, the gods are fighting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, like, they bring the ark into an area. Yeah. And but, they fight, quote unquote. Yeah, yeah. but- God is showing that he's not just the God of Israel's land, mm-hmm. which is at the henotheistic, like one of the major ideas in henotheism, that you're the God because you're the God in this land. Mm-hmm. You have power only here. But he's showing the reader, right, that that henotheistic idea doesn't make sense, but he's doing so in a henotheistic fight. <laughs> so. And and, and it's, I think it's important to, to, everyone kind of intuitively knows that, yeah, this is, God as our understanding as this being outside of time and all this kind of stuff that like, you know, the God of the philosophers and, you know, the God of of the reformers Mm -hmm. and whatnot, like, ah, this is like whatever, but it's God communicating Mm -hmm. and interacting with those people the way they understand in that culture. And it's important to just know that. Mm -hmm. I think we intuitively get that. Yeah. But um, there's a couple cultural things that make that falling over and then the falling over and the hands and the head falling off. Yes. Yeah. So very important. The number one thing is if you are up to date with your 10 commandments, if you mm-hmm. remember, they haven't those. changed recently. Yeah. <laughs> There's a new update. <laughs> it's, new, uh, it's 11. The, now the very first commandment that opens up the law is you shall have no other gods before me or beside me. Right. And what's interesting is it uses both of those words in the Lord is placed before Dagon mm-hmm. in his temple. And then also Dagon falls, he falls before the Lord and then before it was, he's placed beside Dagon. Yes. Yeah. And so it's, it's a direct relationship to that first commandment. And God is saying, no, he's, he's acting, he's making mm-hmm. sure that his commandment is fulfilled, even though there's no one in the room. Yeah. Um, which is cool. Uh, second of all, when a vic, when an enemy nation in Hanotheism defeats an enemy nation, they take their gods and put them in there. Yeah. They're well, yeah, that, that's why he's in there to begin with. That's mm-hmm. why the Ark is in Dagon's temple is not because they were going to worship the Ark. It's because having another God's implements in your temple was an act of supremacy. You'll see that yeah. later on in the story of Daniel, when they use the temple um, furnishings yeah. in the temple of their own gods, it's again, an act of supremacy. Yep. So, yeah. Um, And so you've got that. You've also got, um, What's interesting is it opens up with them saying, referring to him as God, singular. Mm -hmm. And then in that same chapter, they then say the Lord. Um, 
What's really interesting about that is the people of the Philistines said gods before that. Mm-hmm. And this is the the priest or the priests or the rulers talking now. So there's a They haven't spoken yet. Okay. Yeah. That's not until six. Okay. So that point comes up later. We'll talk about that then. But you've also got the the hands coming off. What's interesting about this is uh culturally in the Ugaritic text, which is very close to that area and those cultures, uh, there's a god that cuts off the heads and the hands of their opponents. It's the goddess Anit, the god of war. I, does she show up in one of the minor prophets? Maybe. I feel like I've read that, but I don't know. Joel, do a quick Google search. <laughs> You're our Jamie. Hey, Joel, pull that up. Yeah, <laughs> um, so... And so, like, there's a thing. She, she, by defeating her opponents, she carries the hands and the head of her opponents out of the battlefield. Mm-hmm. Epic, but also interesting. Similar area, but then in history and time and relationship. But you've also got the the Hittites, which are again highly related to the Philistines in that area. Very close. The religions are similar in Canaan, Hittite, and like Babylonian. They, they, they worship the same gods, but with slightly different names. Yeah, and like there'd be some cultural practices that are different. Mm-hmm. But all like there's many transferable themes. Some yeah. stories just get changed. Yeah, and one of them is they there was one prayer that they would use where they would talk about making sure that the god had a statue with heads and hands. Um, and they would make sure that that was the case because their statues, um, the, the gods were depicted wearing robes. And so only the hands, the feet, and the head were shown. Mm-hmm. Uh, and because of that, a lot of their statues, they weren't like Michelangelo's, like David, mm-hmm. right? They weren't just one piece of sculpted marble. The Hittites and the Canaanites often had statues that had like removable hands and heads. With like, like pegs and whatnot. With like pegs, like push fit. Yeah. It's also worth noting mm-hmm. that, that the text says that they broke off. Yeah. Meaning they couldn't put back on yes not easily yeah they were cleaved um so yeah so from our quick study joel what did we figure out about Annette um, or Annette is uh, mentioned in judges um Ooh. which would date her to about 1400 bc um closely related to ball or or Baal or yeah. so like the prophets of Baal from later on in Kings yeah um yeah you'll be seeing some and of that her. is the consort of Baal yeah 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 wild so deeply related to this specific area if if anything it is symbolism that they are acquainted with yeah mm-hmm. um and so again it's not the it's not it's Dagon it's not Anat but it's and it's not Baal it's not mm-hmm. that area but it's it's Again, all these, as we're about to discuss, the religions around each other know each other, mm-hmm. right? They just like just like we as Christians know about Islam, yeah, or you know Hinduism or Mormonism, Mormonism, mm-hmm. yeah, and which, yeah, it's kind of <laughs> speaking in a different order, but yeah, absolutely, yeah. Uh, and so there, there's a relationship there, which is really interesting. Um, and well, so he does this. How many how many times does Dagon fall? Is twice, twice, twice. Uh, but then they, then the people of Ashdod, um, it says that they're inflicted, um, it, Ashdod and its vicinity, actually, it makes, it points out that it's not just Ashdod, but it's the surrounding region of Ashdod. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, uh, they're inflicted with, with tumors. Yep. Um, yeah. and then they, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, 
When the people of Ashdod saw that what was happening, they said, the Ark of God, so this time they say God, but yep. they haven't said Lord yet. Um, and of the God of Israel must not stay here with us because of his hand, because his hand is heavy on us and on Dagon, our God. So they called together all the rulers of the Philistines and asked them, what shall we do with the Ark of the God of Israel? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's, a been a, there's been a little bit of a development. Not yeah. full blown. Nope. But it's, it's, it's people of like higher status. Mm-hmm. The, it's, there's a, the, the, it seems as if the normal people of Israel, of the Philistines, like don't have a great understanding of the Israelite religion. Whereas like the rulers kind of have a better understanding. The same way that like, we don't have a great understanding of another nation's politics like India or whatever, but our government does because they deal with India sure. all the time. Yeah. So like that's, yeah. So that's why you get like the, the Philistine people think it's gods, plural, but the. Once it starts moving up in the, mm-hmm. in the education, then they start. Yeah. They, you get closer and closer to more accurate vocabulary. Um, yeah. Then they, they decide to move it to Gath. Yes. So it goes from Ashdod to Gath. Mm-hmm. So now it's reached two of the cities. Yes. Yeah. And Gath, interestingly, is going to come up later. Uh, that is the hometown of uh, Goliath. Yeah. Yes, it yeah. is true. It's almost um, like the radioactivity made them all giants, hey? Anyways. Nope, nope. That's, that was the Nephilim. Anyway. Um, <coughs> oh, yeah. So uh, my tumors reference Tumors continue. There, yeah, the tumors continue. Um, it can, anyways. I'm not going to get into the conspiracy side of it, but there's so many conspiracies with the Ark. It's so interesting. <laughs> and one of them is that it's radioactive, but you know, whatever. <laughs> Kill I just think it's cool. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> like, you got to you gotta let me into the conversation a little bit. <laughs> we will have to do an episode on biblical conspiracy theories. Oh, at my some goodness. Point. Can I be gone? <laughs> <laughs> no, we need you to keep us grounded. Oh, no. Yeah. Okay, anyway, we need so it goes reaction. to gas. Tumors continue, and they're like, ah. <laughs> send it to the next city. Yes. <laughs> um, then it goes to Ekron. Ekron also, um, they say they have brought the ark of the god of Israel around us to kill us <laughs> and our people. And they called together the rulers of the Philistines and said, send the ark of uh, the ark of the god of Israel away. Let it go back to its own place, or it will kill us and our people. For death had filled the city with panic. Yeah. Uh, God, uh, God's hand had came, come down very hard on it. Those who did not die were afflicted with tumors, and the outcry of the city went up into heaven, mm-hmm. which is interesting. Normally, when the Bible talks about crying or like the pleas or something going up into heaven, it's normally followed by God's either mercy or his salvation. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Yeah. Which... In a way that happens. Yeah, it does. Well, it's yeah. as, as we're about to get into. So in, in verse six, not verse six, chapter six. Yeah. Um, when the Ark of the Lord had been in the Philistine area for about seven months, then the Philistines called for the priests and the diviners and said, what shall we do with the Ark of the Lord? Yeah. Now again, development. Yeah. Tell us what we should, uh, tell us how we should send it back to its place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what's interesting is we just talked about how the Israelite priests misused the Ark. And now the Philistines are going to their priests, pagan priests, and they're saying, how should we deal with this 
object mm. as if they know. There's also something cool in Ekron. Ekron was famous in the ancient world for its exporting of olive oil, mm. which was weird because they found it on tablets and receipts and all these kind of things in the te- yeah. in the courts. Clay that, receipts, not clay receipts. receipts. Yeah, it yeah. wasn't like, oh, here's a print off. No, it was like <laughs> the, the, all the ink goes away in in heat. Yeah, <laughs> which I mean, anyways, it's not not important. Um, so they found these these documents, right? And people were wondering, like, for a long time, how in the world did they do this? Um, they don't have any olive trees in Ekron, mm. and there's a good chance that they would have been taking over some of the Israelite land yeah. and developing already the crops that Israel will be famous for later, like literally yeah. the Mount of Olives, right? So there's a good chance that in God putting the Ark in Ekron, mm-hmm. what he was doing was destabilizing that town well, and then giving back the land that had been used as a vassal state of Ekron, which yeah. would have been connected to the Philistines earlier than that to Egypt and just completely messing up the politics of it. Yeah. And all of this taking place between the bronze age turning into the iron age is like a technology, technological advancement. It's so cool. What a cool part <laughs> well, of history. Here's the other thing. Have you seen the overlay of where God goes on a map? Like, no. like I have transfer. Se- I have seen it. Although I'm, I've seen this and I remember yeah. there, someone making a big deal out of it and yeah. I don't remember what the so, deal was. So what's interesting is so it, uh, Babylon, the Philistines are known for being ruled by city states, five cities yep. that are that are known. And the he not only does he go through three cities and just decimate the population, freeing Israel from this conflict. Oh, that he wins in. the war. He wins the war. But also he like the path in which he travels is like trade routes, military locations, like mm-hmm. stuff that, that it the Philistines are just trying to get him out, but they don't realize what they're doing is they're decimating their own well, nation. There could be that. I think it's, yeah. it's also more likely that this is a prize. This is yeah. a military prize. Mm-hmm. They would keep it in places that are secure. Yeah. But by keeping them in places that are secure, they are, they are destabilizing their, yeah. their uh, military and economic right? stability. I do. Yeah. Yeah. It's, so like it, what's interesting is it does like a circle through Philistine land and then back into Israel as we get into. So God does a raid. Yeah. <laughs> God wins like he goes right down like as Joel has on this map here the Philistine nation is like this slim like coastal nation and he just goes right down the middle of it mm-hmm. down the whole length and then mm-hmm. out and so he just decimates mm-hmm. the the enemy that they're all afraid of and they just lost the ark too yeah and and like what that's showing you is the, the anti-henotheistic idea that God is trying to present. Mm-hmm. I'm not located in a land. Mm-hmm. I'm not located in an object. I'm winning because my, I'm the Lord. Yeah, I'm not, my power and authority is not mm-hmm. region-based. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, or this people-based. arc narrative yeah. seems to be not shoehorned in exactly, but added in a different style than the rest of Samuel. Mm-hmm. So Samuel in, its, in, a, in a wider breadth is pro kingship. Yeah. It it is fine with Israel having a king. Mm-hmm. But it seems that this is this could be a text from a different document that was anti-monarchy. Right? So that could be that the history of the Israelites is being put together in this one book Samuel. Yeah. So you, you don't want a king, you want me. If seen in that light, it's hey, I can save myself. 
you can't, yeah. <laughs> right? Like, so it's, it's very much like, Hey, um, this is going to be paired later on with the, Hey, don't get a King. Cause it'll tax you. Yeah. It's like, Hey, I did this for free. I took out your enemies. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, why do you want, why do you want to pay for what I could do for free? This, <laughs> yeah. is, this is why God uh, doesn't like the uh, IRS. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Here, here, kids. Um, <laughs> Don't pay your taxes. <laughs> tax fraud. Do uh, tax fraud. The official position of second rate saints. No, it's okay. Um, so, but what's interesting about this is, so yeah, so he goes through the cities, but then they go to the priests and they refer to him as the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, but did we want to like what the diseases and the rats, the tumors and the rats? Mm-hmm. The, well, it's it's they when they asked them what do we do, mm-hmm. um, the priest respond. They answered, "For if you if you return the ark of the God of Israel, do not send it back to him without a back to him without a gift. By all means, send a guilt offering with him. Then you will be healed, and you will know why this this hand has. Uh, then you will know why his hand has not been lifted from you." The Philistines ask, what guilt offering do we send? And then they do a guilt offering. But they also, um, they say, hey, send this gift. Five gold tumors and five gold rats, according to the number of Philistine rulers, because this, because the same plague has struck both you and your rulers. Yeah. Yeah. So they, what's interesting is the Philistine uh, priests ref- know him as the Lord. Like they, they, they know his covenant name with Israel. And they know the Israelite guilt offering. Like they, they know what, why they like, well, to be okay in certain, I, this comes more from my knowledge of Roman times. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if it's applicable because we're talking thousand years difference. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Millennial difference. However, Rome, before they would take over a land, um, they would, beseech and make sacrifices to those gods to join Rome's pantheon, to betray yeah. their own people and join the glory of Rome. Join, mm-hmm. join this, yeah. this. Hey, we're better than you. Yeah. Your people. We can yeah. be your people. Yeah, we could be your people. We join yeah. join our pantheon, the collection of gods, this organization yeah. of mm-hmm. religious and political power that is just this dominating everything, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it wouldn't shock me. Yeah. If you if Israel's surrounded by henotheistic and mostly actually polytheistic type nations that verge into henotheistic tendencies, that bordering nations would know the practices of other gods so that they could try to, in times of war, um, win over their favor. Because mm-hmm. well, that does happen. I know it happened in like the th- th- third century BC. Well, there's a, there's another case of it in Israel's history. Um, when Sennacherib, the king of Assyria's general, comes and attacks Israel the first time, he sends a letter to the king of Israel and to the people, and like they announce it from the walls, mm-hmm. and they say, uh, "Your your God has was the one that told me to attack you. Your your God was the has already given that's you right, to that's me. right, that's right, that's um, right. So why fight? Mm. Right, and so like they're they're using that a similar strategy of just mm. like your God's on my side." Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I, I don't yeah. think it's, it's, there is reasons why yeah. border nations might actually study what, mm-hmm. what, how, how do you talk to this God? Yeah. Yes. Now what's interesting is there's two things that I want to bring up is the, the rats and the tumors, the five statues that they give of each is 
in that whole area, the Canaanite religion stuff, there was a mm-hmm. thing called sympathetic magic, which was you would make an object that is similar to the thing that's cursing you. And the idea was that the curse would be placed on it mm-hmm. and you would leave the city and it would, you would go away and it would take the curse with it. Um, and you see something similar to that with the bronze snake. Yeah. And maybe young Yom Kippur. Yep. Um, yeah. Azazel. Yes, the the atonement, the the sacrifice would be taken onto the sheep. Azazel, sorry, taken I away. It wrong. Um, out of the city, and so, but theirs was a that we can manipulate it ourselves, right? Like we can make this thing. It's not tied to necessarily religion, but it's like we can undo this curse if we apply right. it to this object that we craft. Whereas in those cases, it's God going to Israel and saying, like, "Hey, this is how you. This is how we're gonna fix this." Yeah, sin issue. I'm going to give you a way out. A way out that I am that I've sanctioned and that yeah. I'm going to work through. Yeah, it is not you; it's my power. <laughs> yeah, but what's interesting is they say the Philistine priest says we must honor the Lord. Mm-hmm. That brings us back to the Israelite priests. Yeah, because they were not giving honor to the Lord. Mm-hmm. In fact, they were actively taking it. Yeah, and so in the and. There's another thing. The, uh, the, the Philistines also say, uh, uh, don't you know, don't you remember with Pharaoh and Egypt when they relent, when he stopped attacking and God uh, put all the plagues on them that when the Egyptians stopped, they, they walked out? Well, yeah, they, they make a comment. Hey, it all stops when they just let it go. Yeah. So <laughs> let it go. <laughs> just let it just let it go, give him gifts, send him out. Just like the Egyptians, Egyptians. gave them the gold yeah. and sent them out. Yeah. yeah. Get out of here. Um, and so there's that cool relationship there, but also that they give honor to the Lord. The priests of God's enemies give him honor, but his own priests won't. Mm-hmm. And like, that's like the, the book ends of mm-hmm. like this story from chapter four to chapter six. Yeah is the enemy priests give him glory and he enters back into Israel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so like the Israel, they didn't, they stole his glory and God left his enemies, give it to him see, and he enters back. See, I know there's no ties to like new Testament Gentile stuff going on here, mm-hmm. but I, my brain can't help go. There's pattern, but I don't see it. Well, so I mean, Ruth was just a couple of years before this. Yeah. Um, Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, it's pretty uh, close. like like that one's clear. Yeah. Oh, so Elkanah and Naomi's family won't give God his due. They don't mm-hmm. be- trust him enough, mm-hmm. and they leave and die. Mm-hmm. And God's uh, someone with honor that, that gives God honor is coming into Israel, yeah. Ruth, and that's how the king is born. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's crazy. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I think the the theme of I'm going to do it myself is just oh, un- yeah. unmistakable. Um, oh yeah, it's, it's the primary thing. It's the you you can't defend yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, don't try. to... I can defend myself without you. Yeah. And and there's also this whole thing of like you will be my people and I will be your God. Yeah. Right. And that promise um, doesn't hold up when they're not his people. Yeah. He will punish he, them well, for misusing. But he is yeah. still God. He will punish well, the whole that, nation. And that's what's crazy. So like there's there's this thing where it's the law of Moses is 
underneath the law of it. Like the, the covenant of Moses is underneath the covenant of Abraham. And so like the covenant of Moses is that um, if you obey, this will happen, right? Yeah. There's like, there's a give and take and Israel doesn't do that. And so they're punished like the law of Moses states that if you do not obey, if you do not honor me, if you do not do all these things, then the blessing will be taken away. Mm-hmm. Right. But he's still, ob- he's still operating within his covenant with Abraham which is I'm going to do it regardless of if you do it. Right. So like, yes, he, Israel's defeated mm-hmm. there. The glory of the Lord leaves Israel mm-hmm. and they get their, their due as according to the covenant with Moses, but he still obey. He's still, uh, as we've discussed in the Abraham episode, he's like, but it's on me. Mm-hmm. And I, mm-hmm. even though you're sinful and you're going to do terrible things, mm-hmm. I'm still going to make sure that you, are there. Yeah. The system, the system, I'm going to carry the system. It's I'm not going to carry I, the system. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so they're like, get it out of here. That's how we mm-hmm. get rid of, that's how we get rid of all these plagues. That's mm-hmm. how Egypt did it. That's how we're going to do it. Um, so now then get a cart ready. This is the priest expl- telling them again what to do. Now then get a, car- get a new cart ready with two cows that have been, ca- that have been calved and have never been yoked. Hitch the cows to the cart, but take care that the calves, Take, sorry, take their calves away and pen them up. Take the Ark of the Lord and put it on the cart and in a chest beside it, place the golden objects that you are sending back with him as a guilt offering. Send it on its way, but keep watching it. If it goes up to its own territory towards Bethel Shemesh, then the Lord has brought this great disaster upon us. If it does not, then we know that it was not his hand that struck us, but it happened to us by chance. Mm-hmm. And so the whole goats thing, or not goats, the whole uh, um, ca- uh, cows thing is if, if you try to separate a mother mother cow from her calf, is it's a horrible system. Also, getting two cows to operate in unison, being yoked, never having been yoked, both of those things, yeah. one of them is enough to go, okay, this is not, this is not going to be a good system. Both of them together, this is an impossible system. You're not going to get them to go in one direction for two feet. And yet it walks straight yeah. to Israel. Yeah. Yeah. Now when the people were harvesting, sorry, I'm going to find the place. Um, they looked up and saw the ark. Yeah, it just... I, I love that. I love the idea of them just like farming. Just yeah. like some family and they just look over on the horizon or some, some dude looks up and he just sees like, you know, like in like Western movies where like <laughs> you see like the heat go across the desert yeah. <laughs> and you see like the lone horseman coming over yeah. and it's just like, I imagine like a Western song plague, like victory. And God's like, I did it. <laughs> I'm yeah. back. Yeah. No, it's then the cows went straight up towards Beth Shemesh, um, keeping on the road and low, and lowing all the way. They did not turn to the left or to the right. The rulers of the Philistines followed them as far as the, bo- as far as the border of, she- of Beth Shemesh. So it's just yeah. beelines. That's Straight. So cool. Yeah. Imagine how horrifying that would be for them. Mm-hmm. It's just like, oh, it's leaving. Oh, good. Oh, oh. oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it goes away. There's a... Uh, so- Anyone taste metal? No, I'm kidding. Again. <laughs> <laughs> What's... Uh, What's interesting about that is, so God comes back and the glory that they send with the Lord enters back into Israel. Mm-hmm. So it's the, the, the glory of God has returned. Mm-hmm. And because of that, that's what opens up the next chapter 
which is, and then Samuel's like rise to being the prophet yeah, and the kingmaker. Well, it's, it's interesting is that the Israelites don't really seem to learn much from this. It stays there for what, 20 years? It stays there for 20 years, but also like, yeah, they, 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 they take the wood from the cart and they, they make an offering there. They, they kill the two cows and whatnot. But then also like, um, I forget the, does it name the, name the guy who, who touches the ark and he's just, God kills him. Oh yeah, that's when David. Oh, that's when David. Saw the scene. Sorry. Um. Then there's sorry. Which which one is it? There's some forty odd people die. Then yeah. The gold terminus. Yeah. The but God struck down some of the inhabitants of Beth Shemesh, putting sorry seventy of them. Man, I get I get my uh, it's okay. ark killing people uh, stories <laughs> confused. Um, yeah. Seventy of them to death because they looked into the ark of the Lord. Then the people mourned because of the heavy blow that God had dealt with them. And the people of Beth Shemesh, Beth Shemesh asked, who can stand in the presence of the Lord, this holy God? To whom will the ark go up from here? Yeah. What's interesting, right, is the Philistines were able to move it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even though in the law, it's required that there you do cleansing rituals. It's only a certain tribe of Israel that can do it under mm-hmm. within the live. Levi- Levite tribe. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have to do this whole thing and you have to carry it by human hands, mm-hmm. but on the, the poles right. that go through the side. And it, it, the whole Philistine arc, the Philistines, it doesn't specify how they carry it. They're not of that tribe. They didn't do any rituals, right? To make sure. But what's interesting is the guilt offering that it mentions is that those were specifically used as an apology for sacrilege. Isn't mm-hmm. the guilt offering the, the objects in of themselves? Yes. But what I mean is, is that a guilt offering is given, like the purpose of a guilt offering yeah. versus just a sin. Right. Was I have, I have committed sacrilege. Yeah. I've done something wrong to this God. Um, and that's interesting that the priests omit that. He's defeated yeah. our God. In his house, in his temple, mm-hmm. and we're 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 doing something wrong. We're not treating him right, and they still don't. But by putting him but on, they're the just cart, like let him go. <laughs> but like, let's you know, let's do our best to obey in what our limited understanding is of this God, right? Let's do our best. Let's honor him the best we can, and let's send him off to do what he wants. And and. The moment Israel gets them back, they're like, let's check what's inside this box. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, dead. Yeah. And because they don't obey what they know to be true mm-hmm. about the law, right? Following the, the, the specific Levites, the carrying it the proper way, the water rituals, stuff like that, the cleansing rituals, it's they're treated harsher. Just immediately, 40 people. You're judged for what they know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it, like you said, it shows that they don't, they didn't learn. Yeah. But like again, they thought the ark was just gone. Yeah. Um, also, Beth Shemesh isn't necessarily near. It's been like seven months. Yeah. And since that battle, and mm-hmm. it's not even near where the battle happened. Yeah. No, it's traveled. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so these people, like, how much do they know of like the whole situation? Probably not a lot. Well, I mean, it, the idea would be if if. An astronomical amount of people died. Yeah. And they're expecting the Philistines, after they won this 
giant battle to just pour over the border and become their captives and their vassals. Mm-hmm. And it just doesn't happen because everybody's at home dying. And then the ark mysteriously appears on a cart yeah. over the over the land. That's a that's a wild. I like I you like said it. before, I'll do it myself. Yeah. It's it's also very much like even in our sin, like to make it Christian New Testament, even in our sin, God is still fixing the problem. Like kind of like sanctification. Yeah. Well, like you, you even see this kind of on like you look at Christian history through mm-hmm. like missionaries, right? There'll be times when, especially like with colonial past, right? There'll be Colo- uh, colonizers will come over and they'll ab- abuse or use local people groups. Whether Objectively that- horrifying. Horrifying. Mm-hmm. Horrifying. And then yeah. God will use just one person. Mm-hmm. And it'd be yeah. like, yeah, fine, I'll do it myself. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm going to make sure this happens because I've said it would. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I'm. this whole plan is for the redemption of humanity, yeah. but the... or. Or you even see it sometimes in your local church when the people, the people that should be mm-hmm. preaching the word and whatnot aren't. And mm-hmm. then you have either the spirit working through several laymen where it's like, fine, I'll, I'll teach. Well, and you even see that with the, the exit, the exile mm-hmm. of that the kings and the priests get wiped out Yeah, in the, when Babylon and Assyria take over and it's just some faithful layman. Mm-hmm. that survive and repopulate and come back. And yeah, there's a, it's, there was interesting. So uh, Paul Vanderclay, a CRC pastor said this once it's in, in cataclysms. Mm-hmm. Uh, what we think of as the best die off. And so like in, and that's how Christianity survives. Whereas like other, like whole nations will collapse or, a whole like Western civilization, like a, a civilization will fall apart, mm-hmm. but like Christianity will still exist yeah. over time. And it's because the best of us die. And it, I'm putting air quotes because it's who we think is the best, mm-hmm. our best theologians or our Kings or our priests, our yeah. philosophers. They, you know, we always go to them for like, what's the best of Christianity, yeah. but they're the ones that end up, Getting, oh, they're they're important. They're important. They're important, and they, they yeah. have a job to do, and they, they yeah. need to be. They're good at that job. I think it's, uh, I, I but it's the layman that survives. I can I can never remember who it is that said this, and I, it might be I might be merging a couple quotes. I, I'm not confident enough to quote it. I'll paraphrase it. Something to the effect of like, yeah, you have the named theologians, you have these mm-hmm. people all throughout church history and tradition and all this kind of stuff. Um, but at the end of the day, the the the, the bastion of the, the the Christian faith in the local church is just the praying mother. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's just that's that's the one who you can almost guarantee on. Yeah, there's, yeah. I was in, uh, in Gulag Archipelago, there's actually, he makes a comment about how priests would often just like give up on certain things, but holy moly, some angry Orthodox mm-hmm. elderly woman just would preach at her interrogators <laughs> but nonstop. It, what's interesting that you said it's the, the praying mother. Oh, you mean like Samuel's mother, Hannah? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the one who's faithful, but the priests she's praying f- with. You drunk? Get out of here! Or how about how about the 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 the, the wife of the of the uh, the two priests, the one the mother yeah. of Ichabod? Yeah, she she she's obviously mourning that the that God's glory has left. Yeah, mm-hmm. she names her son that. Yeah, 
Uh-huh. Not, not like it focuses on her sadness about God leaving, not her husband dying. Yeah. Which is although well, it's her husband wasn't the top-notch yeah. guy to begin no, with. No, 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 he wasn't. Yeah. But that's that's the point. Yeah. Is, is that in even though the priests, the ones that should have been the mm-hmm. obedient, the yeah. faithful, and stuff like that, it was two mothers. Yeah, yeah. We, we've snaked around a bit on this one. I liked it. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was a fun time. But yeah. we, st- <laughs> we 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 went we, on a little side quest. Like in like our the journey. I yes. love it. Yeah. Uh, this is my favorite type of episode where we just get to um, mm-hmm. throw stuff at the wall and see what sticks. Yeah. You know? Um, so this is officially making the Second Rate Saints the Ark of the Covenant hotline if you know any whereabouts <laughs> or... Uh, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm only Report the missing Ark. <laughs> this is where we're starting our second series where Joel and I will be traveling mm-hmm. to Ethiopia yeah. to check out if the Ark's real. Uh, we're calling this conspiracy theology, and uh, <laughs> do you think the I made it up people, right now? Do you oh. think the seventy people their melted faces, their, their face melted like it is in uh, Indiana Jones? Indiana Jones. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I think that's a shot for shot remake. Oh, you because they opened it just like those people. I'm just yeah. saying. But also, like, or are the spirits? In the Ark of the Covenant in Indiana Jones, those 70 Joel, people. Joel, Guaranteed. Just, Joel, end, end it, please. End it, please. I'm not going to end it. Oh, no. Okay, so, so if you'd like to keep up with what we're doing here at arcwatchers.org. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, then please check out secondratesaints.com, um, our YouTube page, our Spotify. Do not try and buy that domain right now. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, if you can do, you know, that's the Um Thanks for listening. Thanks for putting up with our second rate shenanigans. Um, if you've got any questions, concerns, or comments about the show, um, we would love to hear it. Um, and tune in for our next Thoughts in Real Time episode where we confront some of these hard-hitting opinions. Did you know the angels hid the ark? I'm ending ending it. (laughs) Okay, fine. I'm ending it. Just end it, yeah. You stole my chair, I steal your clap. Well, now you ruined the clap.